0: This is the official Capsure podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I hope you had an incredible holiday, Christmas. Uh, we were off on Monday because I just really honestly didn't want to record anything during the holidays, so I don't know, live with it. As you know, though, typically this will be when I would have a guest on, so instead we're just going to talk about what we would do on Monday, which would be like the week in review, and the most recent Caps games that the Washington Capitals have played, along with some league news. Uh, So once we get back in the groove past the holidays, Mondays and Thursdays, that's how it's going to work out, Mondays being, you know, Day-to-day stuff, and then Thursday being a little bit more deep stuff, and hopefully an interview. Uh, but, spoiler the Caps are on an absolute fucking heater right now. They're an incredible-looking team. They, uh, you know, I'll get into it more, but man, they look like they've been, they look better than they have in a very long time. I mean, maybe even ever. I'll go that far. Uh, but, let's pop some tabs and uh, and get right into it. One. Two, three. All right. So first off, we do want to talk about uh, a little bit of World Juniors. If you didn't know, this tournament started on the 26th. So we're only a few days into it and already some pretty serious upsets have happened. Canada on opening day took a hard L against Chechia, uh, which I love. Good for them. And uh, the USA beat Latvia that day in the, with the same score, not exactly an upset. But uh, on the 28th, Canada came back, fired back, absolutely buried Germany 11-2. to Bedard had seven points that game. Holy shit. I guess that guy's good. Uh, while the USA lost 6-3 to against Slovakia. That's unfortunate. So... The prelims of the World Juniors, and again, these are all kids who are like 20, 21 and under, um, they end on December 31st, uh, and then on the 2nd, the 4th, and the 5th of January, the quarter semi and medal rounds will be played. So, uh, definitely going to be, uh, you know, an interesting round of qualifying, you know, it it always sucks in these international tournaments because you see like teams that you want to lose, uh, like Canada or the USA, you know, play really well, and then it, when it comes down to actual like qualifying play, uh, you know, that's when it really matters. So it's kind of like the, uh, <clears throat> I guess you could say it's kind of like the, uh, the playoffs is uh, the NHL playoffs would be the equivalency of of the quarterfinals semifinals and then the medal round um, I'm not exactly how sure how many teams make it to the to the qual to the it's a quarterfinal so I'm guessing only four teams will move on um, uh, maybe five because no no it'll be four yeah. So I guess four teams are the only ones that are going to move on. So you basically have to dominate group play. And that's why you see scores like 11 to 2. Because if uh, that can eventually that could come down to a tiebreaker based upon in such a short tournament. They might go uh, based upon goals uh, scored overall when the points are going to be so tight. Uh, for instance, right now currently the Swiss are on top of Group B while Chechia is on top of Group A, tied in points with Sweden. So that's going to be, uh, and, and Sweden, I think, won a one nothing close match with Germany. And that's why they're, they're probably second on the, on the standings. Canada is third in Group A and USA is fourth in Group B. So both teams have a lot of work ahead of them uh, to, to finish and hopefully qualify for at least the playoff. Uh, something of note about the gameplay, there's, I don't, you may have seen it on Twitter, uh, there's been a couple high-ish hits that have been thrown out and gotten players kicked out of games, uh, on Canada and USA, both have fallen victim to this, uh, as far as being the ones that were kicked out, you know, these hits were all heavy and hard, and, you know, I, I think that the, I, I don't, I don't really have a problem with the context, so I'm not sure what the hell, uh, the officials are looking at, but of course, when you look at new rule changes, you look at, you know, the stringent calls, the world juniors are the number one place where that comes through, right? They, they don't let a lot of fights happen. Um, it's an international game, so the ice is a little bit bigger. Body contact is definitely not uh, a as as paramount as it is in the NHL. So it's definitely interesting to see. I thought both these hits were hard. Uh, a little, They followed through a little high, but I don't think that any actual contact was made to head here on either of them, and they got kicked out. So unfortunately, it's almost like a Tom Wilson hitting too hard penalty. I know Caps fans are very familiar with those. Um, <clears throat> moving on, though, January 2nd is the Winter Classic in Boston at Fenway Park against the Penguins. I hope Boston hangs 10 on them. And, and, a, and a shutout victory. I would just love to see Pittsburgh get embarrassed on the national stage here. So for that game, I'm absolutely a Bruins fan. Uh, some odd news out of Toronto. The team was fined 100 k for taking the team to St. Louis on December 26. According to Article 16B of the Collective Bargaining Agreement, you're not allowed to work, um, according to the CBA, the 24th, 25th and 26th. It says that you can substitute the 26th with the 23rd. If you give the team the 23rd off, they've got to be like legitimate, no working days. That means that you can't travel. You can't, uh, have practice. You can't, you, you know, the players are not beholden to any motherfucker on, uh, on in the NHL or NH NHL affiliated, uh, during those three days. So what had happened was the, uh, the Leafs traveled to St. Louis, I think, on the 26th, and they didn't get that extra 23rd the day of the 23rd off. Quite the blunder. I mean, honestly, though, that's very quintessential Leafs right now. Uh, I guess Kyle Dubis didn't have that, you know, I don't know, fancy math algorithm for the for the dates here to figure out that he couldn't work, those, work the team those dates. Um, additionally, during that game, Sheldon Keefe was t- fined t- for the Blues game $25,000 for a demeaning an official as he was getting a little spicy behind the bench. You know, I love to see the, the officials get shit on for sure. Um, I love to see coaches have meltdowns. And then I also think it's hilarious that they have to pay like some ridiculous fine whenever they're telling a ref to go, you know, fuck himself. <laughs> hilarious stuff. That always makes me happy, uh, especially when it happens to teams that I don't like. Injuries. McKinnon should be returning soon, possibly. And at least that's the teaser out there. The Avalanche need him. Uh, I think that any team that doesn't have Nathan McKinnon or has Nathan McKinnon on the shelf needs him. So good for the Avs. They're definitely going to need him. Uh, you know, they are in a really easy division. So who knows? I'm sure they're doing fine without him. But he could definitely uh, probably prop them up a couple a couple standing spots if there's room. Tory Krug out on LTIR for at least six weeks with a lower body injury for the Blues. That's a big piece of that team gone. I think he had 17 points or something like that uh, from the blue line. The guy's a stud. That sucks for the Blues. Uh, Matthias Michelli out for six weeks for the Yokes as well. Uh, he's second in scoring amongst all rookies. So, you know, say what you will about the Arizona Coyotes. They uh, seem to have drafted well on this kid and, that just has to suck being second, you know, hunting for being one of the highest scoring rookies, getting some maybe Calder votes, you know, that's something that's definitely meaningful to the player themselves as, uh, as sometimes bonuses are involved. So if they win the Calder, sometimes they get, you know, a nice chunk of change at the end of the season. So it sucks for him. Uh, hope for, hope for a speedy recovery. Suspensions. Mason Shaw was suspended two games for kneeing Svechnikov. I believe it was kind of like a, a slew foot type thing. Um, that's all I've got, though, on suspensions. So, you know, lots of crazy stuff happening around the league with World Juniors and uh, hockey at, at large. And uh, obviously, I mean, I try to tune in to the Winter Classic every year. I love that they have the outdoor game. Um, the caps have involved in a couple, you know, I love to see that they, uh, you know, when the cat, I mean, I was at the game against Chicago. Uh, I, I was in Pittsburgh for the winter classic there, uh, against the Washington Capitals. It was a good time. So I'm sure Boston's going to be lit around Fenway with all sorts of cool stuff. Um, it'd be awesome to be there. So if anybody is there is going, you know, shout me out at Twitter and tell me how it is. So we do have a lot to talk about with the Washington Capitals, we've got four games I'm gonna to cover today, but before hockey fans, we've got to light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just five dollars pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Could buy multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet five dollars on any NHL team to win their game and get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Caps fans definitely take take your Christmas money and blow it all on DraftKings. Bet on the Caps that they're they're sure to win at least a few more games in in the next uh, couple months. So. Bet the farm on them and thank us later. Use code THPN. But I think we should get right into this some in Washington Capitals talk. I'm super excited to be talking about them right now. They are incredible in this week's Washington Wraparound. All right. So, Monday, we're, we're kicking this all the way back, almost 10 days, to Monday the 19th versus Detroit. At home, a four-three overtime win. Now, this was a four-point swing technically at the, at the time, um, and it still could be. So these are huge points. Like you look at like Florida, Montreal, um, Detroit, you know, even Buffalo creeping up there. Any win that we can get over those teams is huge. If it ever comes down to who's going to make a wild card spot. The Washington Capitals own a lot of those wins. Uh, The points, the differential at that point, because we're taking those points directly from that team instead of just going up to, we're actually taking in that one-on-one head-up matchup, we're taking points away. These are important points against these kind of like shitbag Atlantic division, uh, you know, up-and-comers, if you will. So I would call this, you know, it's a win. It's a three-point swing that we took from, from Detroit. It's a comeback win and not a blown lead loss. So that's really, really good. Caps went down, uh, went into the second down two goals when Nick Dowd happened, uh, two goals in 11 seconds, second fra- fastest in franchise history. That's f- crazy. You know, when this happened, I was like, Oh man, Nick Dowd, hell yeah. Getting it, getting it done with a uh, quite a dangle and a a goal scorer's goal, just, you know, taking the team, putting them on his his back and just burying, chewing through the entire defense and then just putting one home. And then immediately follows it up with just a crazy deflection goal. I mean, the the man can do it all, can he not? At least in this game he did. Going into the third, the game was all tied until Lucas Raymond, you know, this guy, Lucas Raymond, uh, good young guy, got a nose for the net, He's, uh, he's a pest in front, man, and he, that's exactly where he got a nice feed from Andy Cott to put the wings ahead. <clears throat> so, we fight back, get out of the second, tied up, third starts, Lucas Raymond Berry is one, um, and honestly, this was a play all started by ex-Penguin Boo Olimata with a fucking absolute skyball out of his own zone from, like, the face-off dot over across the rink, um... To cop who just finished uh, who who strung an incredible pass over to Lucas Raymond so nice play there uh, really good play all around but the Caps were not laying down uh, they had plenty of time for Lynchpin uh, you know for Lynchpin the Stanley Cup Lars Eller to meander around the zone like a boss spot Gustafson cross rink after fighting his way from from behind to the top of the circles and. You know Gustafson was just in a perfect position, totally primed to bury a tying goal. Uh, Talk about a guy who's come alive in 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 Gustafson there from the blue line too. I mean, he just it's just like he appears out of nowhere. The dude just swoops in and he's just like, oh, I'm completely wide open. Obviously, this is something that the team has been working on, trying to get the defense more involved, trying to get that five man cycle going. Oh my god, is that thing sexy as fuck or what? You know, I'll tell you what, when you see that five man cycle go, when everybody's in motion, it almost kind of like makes my brain break a little bit because it's like, what are the caps doing? Oh my God, that's insane. Um, They've been utilizing a three man cycle a lot. I mean, they always do. Fourth line is really good at it, but they're running three man cycles high at the point. They're running them in the corner. They're running them behind the goal. They're running them and then they're going getting into this five man cycle where everybody's running around at the same time. Crazy stuff. <clears throat> uh, unfortunately, we couldn't. So, so after that goal, it's tied up three three. Unfortunately, we couldn't deprive the Red Wings of a loser point. Zorlov ended the Wings though in overtime off an absolute rocket of a one timer, low, short side, I believe. Um, I love to see the boys fighting back for a comeback win against a good Red Wings team that may, may, like I said, may very well challenge the Washington Capitals for a playoff spot down the stretch. The Caps essentially gained three points on this win. Would have loved to have four. Would have loved to have four. But it's a dub, and a dub's a dub, and we've got to take them as, as they come right now. Shout out Nick Dowd in that fourth line for remaining more than just, you know, get it deep and bang line. Um, adding tallies to the score sheet, so important for a t- for a. For a line like that, I mean, you tell, I just feel like when I watch that fourth line, the Washington Capitals fourth line, specifically Dowden Hathaway, you know, both of those guys came from previous teams. You know, they knew their role. And, you know, they knew, like, look, if I can't make it happen here in DC, one of the most offensively stacked teams in the NHL with a ton of veteran leadership, uh, some good defense, solid goaltending, well run, if I can't make it here, Like, this may be it for my career. And not only did they make it here, they both got extended. Uh, They're going to be part of this team for a while. I love it. Really good stuff. And, you know, they they come out and prove it every night. These are the type of players that fan bases fucking love. Because, you know, of course, they're not the most quote-unquote talented out there. But they're absolutely making up for it with just raw ambition. And I love it. Moving on to Thursday, uh, another overtime win against Ottawa. It was a 3-2 OT win. You know, we just had to battle back, which we did a great job of uh, uh, in D.C. against the Red Wings. Come third, and, you know, get a few days off Thursday, go in Ottawa, Grey White North, the other capital, the other lesser capital of our our northern neighbors there. Um, And you know, akin, we concede the first goal, which is not great, uh, but really dominate play the entire rest of the way. Uh, finally, in overtime, Mojo finished the game on a snipe far side. I mean, he caught every we caught everybody on it on a on a change. He just came out, rushed the puck, and buried it. <laughs> just a, really as simple as that. Um, it was a seemingly benign play, but then when he started to break into open ice, you're like, oh, what is, what is okay, and then boom, instantly gets gets that far side shot in. Amazing stuff. Uh, like I said, though, the, the Caps really dominated this entire game. It's surprising that we got scored on twice, honestly. Uh, Cam Talbot is the reason. We were about to get goalied here, I think. Uh, Cam Talbot had to make 37 saves in four frames just to keep his team into this. Uh, so, on the scoreboard, I've, I believe that that paints a much nicer picture for the Senators than what was actually taking place if you were watching the game. And all thanks to really Cam Talbot. The kind of looks that the caps are getting on like every opponent's goalies as of late are just madness. They're, they're so good, they're insane they're coming out of nowhere. They're really dissecting team's defenses using their, their movement, using their, their, you know, not so much like straight line speed, but their team speed and a little bit of misdirection as well with that cycle. Um, it really reminds me of like the young guns era, but they're actually like under control and they're not falling in the net as frequently <clears throat> as far as how it seemed like the Washington Capitals during the young gun era could just score at will. And just sometimes it's like they'd score on fucking accident. Um, But in regards to both quality and the amount of chances that the caps are getting, I feel like they're right there. Also the caps of this era aren't absolutely defensive liabilities, which is great. It seems like we've got Lars Eller, that incredible third line two way center, we've got a more solid defensive core and you know you could even argue that maybe even their defensive core sans Mike Green add John Carlson add Gustafson, add Orlov add some of the other guys that have kind of been in the mix it's a little bit more uh, holistically as a core a more offensively defensive or offensive defensive core um during this Ottawa game the one, The one negative mark I will give them is they did a piss poor job staying out of the box. I think it was a mix of uh, lazy penalties like hooking and tripping and just blatant negligence with six minutes of high-sticking penalties doled out against the Caps. You got to keep that under control, especially when the Washington Capitals are dominating play. You know, that is one thing that no matter how good you are, even if you kill all of those penalties, let's say you take 10 penalties and you kill them all, that fucks up your lines, that fucks up your momentum, and you can continue to, to bury or to, to get ch- chances on net, But if you lose a close game, like a three to two overtime loss on the other hand of a win, you know, you got, you're going to look back at those oper- those penalties and say like, well, you know, since we were literally getting like one shot every like three or four seconds, it seemed every, every minute, at least, um, you know, what if we would have been out of the box where we were, where it was basically just like a net zero, uh, You know, these are the type of things that could ruin a game. Luckily, though, it didn't. Um, An interesting and right call, I believe, and and this kind of comes into play later when we're talking about the Rangers at the end of the uh, in two more games. But an interesting call this night from the coaching staff, having Kemper start was presumably the easier start on the back to back. Right. So we're going into Winnipeg or we're going back home for Winnipeg right after this game the next day. Um, and so it kind of signified, I, I thought that at this moment, even though Kimper is back, uh, Charlie Ingram was our unofficial starter uh, at that point. Uh, wild Ovi stat he, after this game, all-time leader in shots after this game. That's <laughs> in the NHL. Like, <laughs> I, that just seems like an, just such an unreal stat line to have. He's taken the most shots on goalies in his career than anyone else in the like two hundred year plus history of the NHL. Just let that sink in. You know, and the haters and the naysayers will be like, Oh he he was uh he he was a selfish puck hog who just fired the puck uh you know, haphazardly. And okay, yeah, maybe Hovi does fire the puck ha- ha- haphazardly, but when you're the greatest goal scorer of all time, I would rather you fire the puck ha- haphazardly than put it in the hands of literally anyone else. So, uh, I don't know. Eat shit, haters. It's fucking awesome. So crazy. That's just a. Wa- it's. I mean, of course, the goals. That's even more crazy. But it's just you know, Laviolette said it in the post game. You know, it, the, every milestone because they're coming, becoming more. more Heavy and infrequent, mean, like obviously when he was young, you know, winning uh, like all of those trophies at once. I believe he's the only person still who's who's won like the Calder, the Art, the Heart, the MVP, like all of those trophies all at once uh, in one season. But so that was incredible, right? Okay, that's cool. You know, young guy, whatever. But the longevity that he's shown in this league, along with still crushing these. Ridiculous, seemingly ridiculous stats, like the most, and that's only gonna that that lead. He, he's still got two or three years left in his contract. That that lead's still gonna be just so, um, so solid, and 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 that record's gonna be his for a long, 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 long time. I mean, an incredibly long time. The I, I think there's only maybe a handful of NHLers in the game right now who could even. Sniff that, and that's not even close. It's not going to be close. It's 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 just so out of reach. In fact, that stat, uh, you know, I hate to fucking put it out, put this out in the universe, and I'm kind of uh, upset at myself for having to put this out in the universe. But that stat, that that record may hold longer and truer than his goal scoring record right now. Let that sink in. Wild shit. Anyways, Friday, the 23rd, the Christmas Eve Eve, if you will. We're back at home in D.C., playing Winnipeg. Ovi starts off scoring. I mean, you know this is going to be a special fucking night when he's starting scoring off, and and the Caps are scoring first. It's always a good thing. The Caps obviously uh, do really well when they score first and don't do as great when they don't score first. So Ovi, 801, killer five-hole goal, just incredible stuff on uh Moran no, on um Rittich. Dave Riddich, I believe, was the goalie in Winnipeg this night. Um, so there's uh, <coughs> there's that. Um so Ovi gets eight oh one, starters off the scoring. Uh, did you know that Charlie Lindgren's brother was is uh ryan lingren of the rangers by the way i don't know i found that out when i was writing this uh this outline obviously that's more prevalent for next game when we actually do play the rangers but speaking of charlie lingren what a stud he has been incredible um you know physics and reality defying save to keep his perfect game during this this uh this game uh in the second just an amazing save Dude, like instant transmission from the left side of the net to the right side to get the leg down and absolutely rob uh, a Winnipeg jet. On the PP, Milano buries from no angle. I love it. Uh, you know, Sonny Milano has been such a breath of fresh air for this team. He's got a lot of speed. The coaching staff trusts him. He's getting power play time. You know, really good stuff. Um so we've got two goals so far, Milano PP. Shortly after those, Shifley threw a total titty tantrum and fired a puck off the boards and down the ice, losing an icing battle, and it hit the ref with the puck. He got two minutes for that, with an unsportsmanlike two-minute penalty. I'm surprised he didn't get a two and ten or or or, or just you know booted out of the game. Um, you know, just so you know, all you beer league heroes out there, if you. <laughs> If you, in anger, rip a puck at a ref, he can uh, he can absolutely toss you for that and assess you a penalty. If it happens in beer league, I would I would assume you're going to get kicked out for the whole game. But in this instance, in the NHL, uh, I would say you know several layers higher than a beer league game. He only got two minutes, which I thought the ref was taking it pretty easy on him. A uh, scary moment in the third, though, is John Carlson took a full blast from ex-cap Brendan Dillon to the head, where he is cut deep. It looked like on the on the right side, either his ear or his cheek, um, he immediately left and didn't return, out indefinitely on injured reserve. Uh, the amount of blood in the short time that John Carlson was down on the ice, luckily, uh, it was insane. I mean, a big pool of blood instantly you know, before he hit the ice, you can see in the replay that there is a pool of blood before he even falls down. (coughs) Excuse me. still getting over this, uh, this sickness, but JC takes this puck up high and instantly, you know, everybody, the, the Jets team, OV, they're, they're calling trainers out. They're getting, you know, shit trying to get looked at, but luckily for John Carlson, it didn't knock him out or anything. Um, he just got up and skated right off, bleeding profusely. So, scary moment. Glad to see that he was able to skate off under his own power, but he is technically still on injured reserve. He will not be uh, joining the Washington Capitals back, uh, at least for now. I, I don't know how long. I'm guessing with the amount of blood that there was a, a big uh, gash, So he's probably waiting for those stitches to heal a little bit. But after this whole ordeal, a few minutes later, the fourth line gets cooking again, which is an incredibly simple but pretty-looking passing play from Dowd, who actually fumbled the puck in the high slot. And just because Hathaway was over on his right wing, he just kind of made a nice little short five-foot pass uh, to Hathaway, who immediately served it back to Dowd who is in the slot for a one-time Barry, I mean, just a heads-up beauty passing play from the fourth line that is at, on an absolute heater right now. So lots of goals, uh, lots of depth scoring from that line, and you love to see it. It's just like like I was talking about earlier in the show, it's so awesome to see the fan favorite guys, the the lunch pail guys coming to work and absolutely finding Twine. The Jets do score on some bullshit as Strom thought he had more time to clear a loose puck and got a rebound, tapped off his stick and into the net. Uh, Strom is the bad guy here, unfortunately, but I think we can forgive him from the way that he's been playing of late. Uh, I'm sure that he wishes that he would have got rid of that puck earlier or turned and fired it to the boards or chipped it out or whatever, but he was trying to do the heads up thing gather that rebound and take it somewhere safe. Uh, unfortunately, they just had a lot of guys in front of the net to, to um, take it off his stick and bury it. Finally, in the third, though, <clears> O.V. <throat> Barry is an empty netter and makes himself the second-most leading goal scorer in NHL history. He dinged Post on the first attempt uh, with the net pulled and then probably had the hardest empty netter ever as he was found in space. Then he stopped up at the blue line um, and dished to Cousy, who didn't want it either, and was breaking towards the net, and just dished it back to him. Uh, ultimately, he was able to corral that puck off the boards, and he just kind of no look turned and fired it into the uh, into the the net about uh, ten feet from the blue line, uh, in inside the zone. This was, you know, I think a lot of people were like, "Why didn't he just shoot it when he stopped up?" But I don't think he had much of a shot there uh, when he first entered the zone. I think that the the Cousy play was the was the right and smart one. Obviously, I'm sure he didn't want his 802 goal to be an empty netter, but honestly, who gives a shit at this point? I loved it, um, and I loved that he made it so much harder on himself. I guess to save some sort of face. Uh, you know, of course, I'm speculating here. I think that the right he made the right play. I think both Ovechkin and Kuzi both made the right play here. Um, Kuzi dishing it back was just an all-time move. You know, I do want to shout out the Jets organization and, and the respect that they showed. So after the goal happened, um the Caps played a short tribute clip uh from from the Howe family. Um I believe it was Mark Howe who was there talking about, you know, congratulations, OV, you know, Gordy would have loved it and you know from his parent both his parents who are both deceased now um you know they would have been super happy for you and they would have wanted you to go and get number 99 so i love that um so that was huge i think that the caps did a really class job of just making that quick quickly doing that obviously the boys came off the bench and crowded him hugs all around face washes um and you know, the jets were also standing there and they gave uh, stick taps and a uh, standing ovation to Ovi as well. Um, what's crazy is that the, after the game, cause how obviously happened in empty net situation. So it was towards the end of the game. Once the game? once the time clock expired? The jets stuck around in defeat to shake his hand on the benchmark goal. It was super classy. They'd all stayed and, you know, gave him, gave him paid the respects. Um, and I think it's just it's, it's worth mentioning that even that brief pause right after a goal, like in the end, this is a regular season win. This is a regular season goal. While, of course, it's a huge goal for Ovechkin. Um, at the end of the day, in the Jets' eyes, that's all it was, right? A regular season L and an empty net goal. Um, but I think that that just showed a ton of class and, you know, just some – a ton of respect for Alexander Ovechkin at this point in his career to see even like a brief pause after a goal like that, you know, it's enough that in all of his benchmarks, the, the refs haven't said anything about the boys coming over the bench and giving him, you know, a big hug in the middle of the ice, somewhat stalling the game. Um, but just to see like the tribute and then everybody kind of taking their time out and, and then the puck drop, Pretty quickly after, was a, was just really out of the ordinary and just something that uh, you don't see all the time. That's for sure. I think uh, these are these displays of respect are usually uh, for playoff wins. You know, I know Patrick Marleau uh, did get this when he played the most games of any NHL player. He he was uh, after first shift they. Did a little thing, and then after the game, the opposing team all shook his hand. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, playoff series ends, winter classic, types of special games, you know, just Caps fans know it's not ordinary, obviously, to see this. As is the accomplishment, definitely not ordinary. So, really one of the most special moments, I think, that I've ever seen in my entire life watching hockey, and, and we're so lucky to see See this right now for if you're a Caps fan, but honestly, if you're a hockey fan alike, I think it's just awesome shit. All right, moving on <clears throat> to twelve twenty-seven, which was yesterday. I'm recording on Wednesday here uh, in DC. I'm sorry, in New York. Um, it's a four nothing win for the Washington Capitals. This is an absolute drubbing of the New York Rangers. They tried their best, but just could not get anything going, could not get anything to fall into the net. The Caps looked totally in control throughout the whole game. For most well, for they looked completely in control, but the Rangers weren't just like getting dominated in the sense uh off the scoreboard. You know, they were still putting up a fight. Um it's amazing to see the Caps play so well against what people would see as like a really young speed team. Defensively, though, the Caps were pretty much impenetrable, and Darcy Kemper had an incredible game. So, you know, during the first trade, the Caps needed a five-on-three power play to get things going, and there wasn't any scoring after that until later in the second when Shiri put uh, put an odd man rush up and then kind of just funneled the puck towards the, the net for a rebound, which was cleaned up by uh, by uh, Gustafson, who's just hot as fuck right now. Boy, I love it. Shortly after that, though, linchpin of the Stanley Cup, Lars Eller, came down the middle and absolutely roofed the laser for third goal of the night. And in the third, Sheary again blocked a shot late in the period and buried his own empty netter. So unassisted there for the empty netter off a blocked shot. You got Lars Eller contributing, who's had an absolute, you know, we've got to talk about it. Lars Eller has come alive in the past 10 games. He's been incredibly good defensively. He's been contributing on the offensive side of the puck. This is why I say Lars Eller is a linchpin to the Stanley Cup. Not because he scored the game-winning goal in Vegas to clinch the cup, but, you know, he, which he did, which is also amazing, but he the, the Washington Capitals pre-Larzeller were were in such sorry shape in the center department. We had Nick Backstrom and Kuznetsov and then we had a uh, Jay Beagle. And <clears throat> all those guys are great, but to get a and and always in the 3C position was like guys like Marcus Johansson who as you can see here as a winger is in his second stint with the Washington Capitals doing much better than when he was a center for the Washington Capitals. He just didn't fit that role as much as he tried. A guy like Lars Eller, though, came in, added a ton of just clout to that position and and really solidified that position for the Washington Capitals, the 3C role. He also stepped up big in the playoffs when Baxter was injured to play second line center. The guy can play up and down a lineup but he's really at home in what I believe is the hardest line to succeed at in the NHL. The third line has to be infallible. They can't, you know, they're the three foot putt. They have to make those putts every time, which for them is not get scored on. They have to be basically not getting put, you know, not getting mismatched uh, night in, night out. And they, and they have to score, you know, so not only can you not make any mistakes, you have to score. The first line with like Ovechkin and Kuznetsov, those guys, those guys can be a negative on a night. They they can their plus minus as a line can suffer because you know that overall, in the length of ten games, twenty games, a whole season, that they're going to be much more valuable putting the puck in the back of the net than their quote unquote deficiencies defensively. The second line that's your secondary scoring line so again they're going to get a little bit more of a break but that third line man i mean i feel like coaching is always relying on that third line is 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 the strong point um to just reset things right so you know you get scored on let's say you put your second line out there because you're going to get fall you know you're going to try to answer but then that shift after you don't score let's say you don't score immediately That third line's got to be there to not get scored on again when the momentum's in the other team's hand and they have to try to continue to drive play. It's a tough gig. Probably, I think, third line is one of the hardest lines to play in the NHL because those are all guys who are still hungry and they're still trying to prove themselves and they have to and they're they're being relied on to prove themselves night in and night out. Um, So... The Rags, you know, like I said, they kept the game very interesting, though they were getting dominated on the scoreboard. Kemper was brilliant this game, and I thought it was an interesting move to see Darcy Kimber back in, signaling that when healthy, he's probably our number one guy to the coaching staff. So I think that that really kind of settled that that dispute. Is Lindgren going to be the number one when he comes back? I definitely thought he earned uh, a couple hard starts. But when you see Darcy Kemper, I think the coach staff played this very well. Darcy Kemper got the easier starts of the back-to-back, warming him up. Then they said, all right, man, we think you're okay. You've had a couple weeks to practice now. Like, show me what you got. Let's throw you in Into into a tough game, an important game, with a ton of playoff implications both now and down the stretch at the end of the season. Go ahead and see, you know, show us what you got. And he came out and absolutely rocked it, pitched a shutout, and you love to see it. So verified, Darcy Kemper is still a pretty good goaltender, even though he was injured for a couple minutes there. Another thing that I want to take away from this, w- this week is that the Rangers, especially for this game, the Rangers coming into this match with the highest scoring team in the Metro, which is a, w- a lot. It's crazy to say in this Highest competitive, the most competitive division in hockey. And the Caps just absolutely shoved that right up their hoop. Our power play was one for three, and the uh, PK was perfect. That is some really encouraging stuff. I think that this team is underrated defensively, honestly. I think that the Washington Capitals' defensive core is finally pr- paying off to be what I thought they were at the beginning of the season, even though they faltered quite early um, and quite heavily early. I think that right now the Washington Capitals defense is is where everything's starting. So obviously puck retrieval is big, but it's not uncommon for you to be watching the game in our defensive zone and you see all five Caps players in frame. That means that they're tight and they're moving as a unit to attack the puck and be aggressive and get that puck back. You love that. I love that. This is a super good, strong indication. And then not only that, they're playing really well in front of their goaltending. Who's having to make big saves because this is the NHL, but at the same time, holy shit. I mean, when they're, they're helping out their goaltender here, who, whoever is in that. In previous years, some team or the caps—you didn't know what the, you, you were going to get with the caps. Sometimes they'd play well in front of one goaltender. Sometimes they would play play well against the or in front of the other. Um, oftentimes, Vanacek didn't get as good a defense as, as Samsonov, which cost us games. Um, now, I think that the Washington Capitals team has a ton more confidence in the goaltending position, which allows them to take chances to sling the puck around to maybe make that pass that's going to come back your way if it doesn't go right. But if it does go right, it pays off dividends. I think that the caps are playing like the right amount of looseness here and man, are they hard to play against uh, in trying to get into the middle on this team is like almost impossible. Another thing that the Washington capitals have going for them right now is the scoring depth. It is super good. Obviously we talked about several uh, fourth line goals this week, We had Lars Eller lighten it up. Uh, you know, we've got third line. I mean, every line is scoring. Everybody. This this was not. No one had a multiple point game against the Rangers. Uh, a Multiple goal game, I should say, against the Rangers. You. This is a. This was a team win, and you really love to see it. Uh, their mentality, which I you know we taught we've discussed ad nauseum how they were going to shift away from maybe setting up the perfect play when it was five on five situation and opt for just getting shots on net. Um and then following them up and trying to make rebounds work or clean up the trash, whatever needed to be done, just get it on net. Um, I think that that mentality and that strategy has paid off dividends um, and it's equal opportunity and all you can eat out here. So I love it. Thanks, Lavi. That's a really good, uh, that's, a, that's, you know, I think early on cap stands were out on Lavi you guys should be kissing his fucking boots right now. We thought that I thought that he was going to be an incredible addition to this team. I thought that he was, you know, the guy, uh, when he was hired looking at the, and it was a deep pool to pull from. I thought, you know, Gallant was on the table at this point. Uh, and we just showed in New York who he's coaching for now, you know, what the differing strategies paid off for. So, I'm super high on Laviolette I think that his coaching staff has come in and take, made some huge leaps forward with this team uh, so yeah the defense is breakout the goaltending it's all good um, and then I think there's a very you know let's just talk about a couple people here uh, or at least one in particular I really think there's a strong chance that the Caps resign Sonny Milano for a midterm deal so it's like three to five years and I totally hope they do. This kid is twenty-six and has been chewed up and shit out by the league, and the caps have given him a chance to shine and shine he's done. Even at three point five million a year for that term, he'd still be a good value. But right now he's only making nine hundred and twenty five K. So lock him in for like, you know, two point five uh Two, 2.5 for three to five years, and that's a steal. Anything under two per year at that term, I think is incredibly team-friendly deal. I mean, he's obviously due a raise. I don't know, you know, I don't know. I don't think he's in the $5 million range right now unless he absolutely continues to light it up and, you know, comes away with like a 60, 70-point season. You know, then maybe he has some ground to stand on here. But, you know, right now, if we can get him for a double what he's making now for the next three to five years, I really think, and I mean, you know, that's not his total prime. So I think that he's got options as well. I don't see why he wouldn't ink that deal. I would love to see him back. Um, he's, and then on top of that, <clears throat> if you look at the moves that Prime McClellan has made in the offseason, right? So we were looking at Brown <laughs> who's injured, right? Um, that sucks. He was a younger guy. But, you know, Gustafson who's around 30, so he's a little bit younger than some of the core. Um, but then you have like Dylan Strom and Milano and then you have like Alexiev who's young. You've got all these guys that are coming up through the system. Um, and you have the younger guys that are that were acquisitions. The caps did get in key positions quite younger in this offseason And I think that it's, it's awesome that Sonny Milano, he's just been a great surprise because you never know when it, when a guy gets cut from a team, obviously he's got a chip on his shoulder, but why was he cut? I think Calgary's probably kicking themselves right now for not signing that PTO uh, and, and getting this kid in for the year. And the Washington Capitals jumped on it and, and have, have done a really good job. Now, Tom Wilson comes back, that's a little bit of a, and, and if Backstrom comes back before playoffs, you know, that's, that could all throw a wrench in things, Uh, but I would say obviously Strom and Milano have really made their, made their presence known, and I think they have a strong case to stay on this team beyond this season, so those are two guys that I would love to sign, Um, not only because they're young, but because they're, they're mature enough in this league to be kicking ass. And I love it next week's games. We have Ottawa on the 29th at home at 7. PM. And then on new year's Eve, Montreal, 4. PM. I, again, Montreal is one of those teams. It's the Atlantic team that could, that could come knocking for a wild card spot. It's a, it's, that's a game that has implications both now and down the stretch. Um, but I told you that October, November were going to be our, our hardest uh, months of the season. That's proven true because looking at December, we've lost like three games in this entire month. And I, that's where the Washington Capitals need to be. So you look at Montreal, <clears throat> I feel like that's a must win. Ottawa, that being another two points, would be great. I predicted a, uh, a completely perfect 3-0. and before I added the Rangers game in. Um, so I'm going to go 2-0 for this next one. And considering my most recent batch of picks have been pretty good, I'm feeling pretty confident in them. So Caps fans, thanks for tuning in. Hope you're enjoying this ride as much as I am. I, I And I'll leave you with this. I think this team, if they can continue playing the way that they're playing, now, <laughs> bear with me. I think that they have a shot, not only making the playoffs, I, I think they have a shot of going deep in the, into, the, into the playoffs as well. Everybody's bought into the Lavi system. The Lavi system is exciting. It's turning defenses it's it's tying defenses in a knot quite frankly i mean when they get into that five-man cycle even if it's for like 10 15 seconds you can just see the defense the defensive team just their head spinning they have no idea what to do they have no idea where who to stay on are they going to play a zone are they going to go man like what the fuck's going on at this point they're literally just trying to stay alive the high three-man cycle, the little five-foot passes that the Washington Capitals doing at the blue line are incredibly risky, but there's so much support at that point that you know. typically, if you don't trust your team, you're not going to say, let's do a high cycle, because the odds of turning it over there and having the play go the other way with speed are so much higher than doing a low cycle, but obviously, the coaching staff has a lot of faith and not only that, the um, the the guys have a lot of faith in themselves doing this. So, I've got to say, man, I mean, I really think that the Washington Capitals they can continue this. You know, of course, they've got guys out now like JC. Um, I don't know if Nick Jensen's gonna gonna be still healthy because uh, f- he t- took one up high. He should be all right for next game. But you know, the next man up mentality. You know, we're still. Uh, you know, I just, we're still injured, quite injured. But even injured, this team looks really, really good. I think that not only that, you look at Laviolette's track record. He usually gets his teams to a final whenever he signs on within the first few years. This has been a little bit of a delay because of the COVID seasons and things. But this is his last, uh, I think this is his last year on the contract, and he's got, um, you know he's got his one full year out of the way and now i mean i think we're finally seeing everything come to fruition for him and things are really starting to come together under his his tutelage if you will i think that if the washington capitals can continue this and of course we're not even halfway through the season but we have another whole half of the season to play if the washington capitals can continue this momentum down the stretch they might not only win the division but they may look like a favorite going in, or a a very strong contender going into the playoffs. So, of course, I'm a huge homer, and I always want the Washington Capitals to win the Cup. Uh, And, of course, I pick them to win the Cup every year. But, man, this one, this, this, this team feels different. They look so much better than any iteration of this team in the past, since 2018, I'll say. Um, I think this is the best team that they've had since the playoffs uh, that we were since the Cup. And um, I'll leave you with that. So, Caps fans, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Next Monday, I'll have another episode for you. We'll be talking about uh, Ottawa and Montreal. And then, uh, uh, well, actually, now that I'm looking at the schedule, probably won't have a Monday episode. Probably do this next week as well. But if you do see us, you know I'll, I'll keep floating out some, uh, some interview requests and see if I can get anybody on. In any case, Caps fans, have a great New Year. Stay safe out there. And uh, until Monday or Thursday, Hockey Troll, the official Caps trip podcast, sign it off. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps trip podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, The Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle at Caps Chirp on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Podnet on social and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out. Oh, we're not friends anymore.